0: you're listening to novel bound a podcast dedicated to making you laugh and keeping you company each week we're sharing all of our favorite books and the embarrassing side of life
1: hi welcome back to novel bound i'm anna
0: and i'm Celine. Oh, wait, that's me. That's my (laughs) turn. (laughs) And today we're going to be talking about books that English teachers wish you were obsessed with. And this is actually my English teacher from high school, Janine Clements. I'm scared to call her Janine, but we're going to try today because in my head, she's Mrs. Clements. But she was my senior English teacher and I straight up love her. I feel like when I was in high school, I was like, you're the only one that understands me. And let's be real, guys. She kind of was the only one that understood me. um but what's really cool is for my relationship with her she's actually gone to my wedding she's gone to my baby shower I consider it one of my greatest accomplishments that I feel like I'm friends with my English teacher I'm like yes this is real life I am she's also a celebrity to me so without further ado why don't you introduce yourself
2: hi I'm Janine Clemens um I am a teacher in my 18th year of teaching English yes. I have taught sixth grade seventh grade eighth grade Uh, well, let's just say the only from six to 12, which is what my credential covers. I've only not taught for any length of time, 10th grade. Um, I taught 10th grade for summer school, but, but let, let's just ignore that. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, Celine, this. I completely identify. We don't talk about that. Um, but I completely identify with the whole, uh, you know, like loving your English teacher and thing, because actually I have an English teacher that inspired me and I'm still friends with at this day still call him for advice like he was my um junior year English teacher and he's a friend of mine I'm actually like kind of sad he's gonna retire this year this is gonna be his last year and it's like and I feel sad and it's not because I'm not I mean obviously I can't go like you know audit his class or anything but it's just I'm like but the kids need you Hmm. like (laughs) they need more of you they need more people like you and like and so I look around sometimes and I'm like who's gonna be the next English teacher? to teach the children <laughs> like, yes. so um, but yeah I'm really happy to be here like I'm happy for you to pick my brain like I'm so excited but we can't
0: wait I really do like desperately want to dedicate this episode I just feel like there, with the year 2020 there's just so many sacrifices that teachers have made and I think already teachers have to really love it and like there's obviously years and days and classes that are really really hard and you have to for you to be doing it for 18 years like you just have to love English so much and you have to love teaching so much so thank you for coming on here
2: I love what I do I have the coolest job I really and I tell students that and they're kind of looking at me like are you crazy but I'm like (laughs) I get to hang out with like teenagers all day I get to talk about books that are cool, that hopefully can, you know, influence <laughs> them and help them think, if nothing else, help them think. And yes. then at the end of the month, I get a paycheck and I'm like, woo, score. Money is <laughs> like, wonderful. <laughs> job. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Yeah. That's <laughs> a great job.
0: Okay. So um, this is one of the reasons that we brought you on is because we desperately want to hear The embarrassing high school stories, but Anna has one that I am literally so excited to hear. So (laughs) these are just like embarrassing high school stories from students and from like the teacher's perspective. So, Anna, you go, girl, go.
1: So, I guess to preface this, before (laughs) we started recording this episode, we were just kind of talking and getting like a little familiar. And Selena and Janine were just like talking about how they had this like small little hometown school and how everyone just knew each other and it was great. And like the, it was like 600 people in the school 300. and 300. Oh my gosh, even smaller. And so all I could think about it, I was like, there was like 1200 people in my school. It was Forest Park. And when I was a freshman, one of my teachers got arrested for like having, I think it was having or dealing cocaine. So, you know, What was that similar, like for
0: you? Like similar. what happened what was yeah? Super similar, one hundred
1: percent. It was wild. It happened not at school, and I just remember the next day everybody was like, "Did you hear what happened to her? Did you hear what happened?" I can't even remember her name. It was
2: a her. I know. I, I thought, I yes. A, and she was like, me. she I've was in her like her late fifties. Yeah.
0: <gasps> she was in her fifties. Oh,
1: it was. You would look at her, and you would have never guessed. You would have never guessed
0: what was she doing she would like go teach English and then like come wait what did she teach tell us
1: Ooh, I think she taught social studies that sounds right
0: <laughs> honestly like after history. learning about the world events it's like you know you just yeah, need to yeah, go do some know. straight up cocaine
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow
0: yeah,
1: what so do you that think that was my school it what was- do you
0: think like led to that I'm just sitting there just like she straight up the cocaine her life
1: choices what were they because it's not, our school is in like, uh, you know, just a middle class part of the area. So it's not yeah. like, like we were known as being like the preps, but like yeah. there was this preppy side and then there was also like a somewhat ghetto side yes. that just like came together and mixed and beautiful. That's both worlds for her until she what? got caught and then put in jail.
0: <laughs> She's wow. like, I look like a prep, but do cocaine. So what you going to do about it? Casual. Okay. Well. I'm looking forward to deep diving so I can finally understand. I'm going to stop that woman's life and figure out how she's doing now. I know. I'll find the article (laughs) and I'll send it to you. Do it, girl. Do it. So yeah, your turn. (laughs) (laughs) What goes down in the teacher's lounge?
2: (laughs) Well, she asked me what goes down in the teacher's lounge. And like that, that's funny. Like that's a really great topic right there. Like the teacher's <laughs> lounge, like, cause that's the thing I've worked at several different schools. So the teacher's lounge is always kind of, it's different in every school, like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I was telling her when I first started working at the high school that Celine went to, um, it was like my eighth or ninth year of teaching. So I was pretty seasoned teacher, but because the school is in the middle of nowhere, um, a lot of the teachers used it to get like their foot like in the door of teaching. And then after a year or two, they'd go to schools that were no doubt closer to their homes and probably paid better. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm, I'm diehard. And so I was, you know, just gonna keep going to that school. So because that school is often used as a place for people to kind of stair-step their way out into the world. Um, when I first walked into the teacher's lounge, it was, um, I walked over to sit down with some other teachers and I got this whole, you can't sit here with us. So awesome. And it, it felt so mean, mean girls. girls I was like <laughs> yeah. um on Wednesdays do we wear pink like what's the deal here <laughs> and so they're like you can go sit over there and pretty much they like gestured to me to this what was obviously like the table for the land of misfit toy teachers no and so I was like okay got it figured out my pecking order okay oh, so, so I went And I sat, and you know what, those Land of Misfit Toy Teachers were quite obviously Land of Misfit Toy Teachers, but they were nice, and they talked to me, and I kind of made a decision in that moment to never treat people like that ever again, and to be inclusive to new teachers that walked into the lounge. But I learned that after that first year, when I came back for my second year, I was now invited to sit wherever I wanted, because obviously I was going to be there a while, And then, you know, eight years later, um, there had been numerous changes of the guard and new teachers came in, old teachers went out and we actually had a really cool experience. And one of the things I thought was interesting once the um, old regime had left and retired and moved on was we used to have like three or four tables that all were separate. And -hmm. something we just did one day is we put them all together to make one huge table. It was like a giant banquet table. And that made all the difference because we had to look at each other while we had lunch and so we sat there and it was like why didn't we do this before this is so nice and we would all go in and sit down and like some days we would tell stories about our lives and stuff that was going on other days you'd walk in and be like is anybody else having trouble with this kid and everybody be like yes (laughs) and everyone starts telling stories about that kid (laughs) and so often um it would become like a group therapy session. Like, yes. oh, I know, or you know what I'm doing with that little jerk? I'm doing this. And like, and we would really help each other. And it was uh, really supportive and great. And then we had this one guy who I'm so sorry, you never got to meet him, Celine, because I think you would have really liked him. He was a football mm-hmm. coach, but he was like that football coach who dared to be academic. And I really loved that about him. And yeah. he would, um, sit down he's sitting there listening to us one day talk about <laughs> this one kid I don't remember who it was but he just all of a sudden he was a quiet guy but when he said something you listened and all of a sudden he like puts down his sandwich he's like when that kid graduates I'm gonna punch that kid <laughs> started laughing because he's not literally gonna go punch him the idea of this like six foot six gigantic man like did you graduate <laughs> like punching him right in the face it would be A, so satisfying, and B, (laughs) so out of character because he was really this gentle giant kind of guy. But we would laugh, we would cry, we would help each other out. Um, I was telling Celine about a teacher she actually knew that would come in and the small town that we worked in, like we had the very stereotypical, like think of the stereotypical math teacher. Yeah, he taught there. (laughs) Think of the stereotypical English teacher. Yeah, she taught there too. And think of your stereotypical shop teacher because he taught there too. Well, we had yeah. a very hippie like English teacher and we had this very good old boy shop slash football coach and she would come in and announce that her cycle had started and like the football coach would seriously just kind of put down his like, sandwich and walk <laughs> out of the room shaking his head. And it was hilarious, just all these Very strong, very different personalities all coming together every day for lunch. So, So um, my favorite though, was when we were actually able to talk kids though, it really was an opportunity to talk kids. And I realized like, I, like yourself, Anna, I went to a large high school. There was 2000 kids on my campus Mm -hmm. and to all of a sudden be on a campus of 300 kids where we literally in this room of teachers have every single student. Yeah. Like we taught kids and we were able to actually help kids and be like, you know what? I think this kid's getting into drugs. Like, what can mm. we do? Like we would really try to help kids on the daily. And that was great. And we'd see kids struggling. Hey, is your, is this kid struggling in your class or in your class? And like, you know, we, would it was great. Cause we actually had an ag teacher who was amazing. Um, and she would. Because that's the thing, the kid who's the Celine, who's hanging out with the English teacher and talking books (laughs) is not going to be, you know, that I'm not going to appeal to that kid who's in the ag class. He's not going to, you know, confide in me. He's not going to feel comfortable with me. And so she would say something like, I'd be like, I'm having trouble with this kid. She's like, oh, he's one of mine. I'll go talk to him. And she'll be like, expect him to come see you by the end of the day. And so we were really good about that. It's like, oh, that's my kid. And that's something that I really realized about um, school campuses and high school campuses, especially if you're a good administrator, you're gonna try to find teachers that kind of are a place for different types of kids to go So, like, that hippie teacher, as off-putting as she could be, still had kids that really loved her and loved her and Mm, appreciated her. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, kind of weird- She carried
0: the drama department
2: on on (laughs) her back. (laughs) On her back. Like, I have never, oh my gosh, her productions (laughs) were beautiful
0: incredible absolutely never, oh
2: incredible like but i've never seen Isabella anything.
0: you were really good i just want to tell you that cuz i know you listen to this you killed it
2: <laughs> oh my gosh yes you did beautiful work and um your teacher did amazing work i can't believe how much work she put into all of that the costuming and The set design was just off the chain for a little tiny high school, literally in the middle of nowhere. With like zero dollars for
0: a budget. That's what's crazy. Yeah. It's like they made the best performances. It was so transformative too.
2: Oh, completely. And I, I, the thing is it broke my heart actually. And I would get mad every year. She put everything on her personal credit card and, and I was like, what are you doing? Like, no. cause there's, I mean, we're talking lights and all kinds of stuff. She's like, oh, don't say anything, but I just return it all later. And I'm like, okay, like this is wrong on so many levels. Like, <laughs> You shouldn't be putting it on your credit card. You also shouldn't be using their goods and then returning it a week yeah. later. And she'd be like, don't be yeah. keen on that. I have to return it. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is, this is the nature of small town. Oh, <laughs> 100% party of
0: one committee of one.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And whatever but sophomores were just
0: like movie there movie. for her oh. the whole time, those four things. But yeah, she like it was, was so fun, she... like going into her room because she would have like tapestries like hanging on the windows. So it had like this like maroon lighting
2: to it. It looked like a dorm room.
0: Uh, it did. It was great. Lights <laughs> like I just, strung I up. yeah. So, awesome.
2: awesome. Christmas lights, you know, the scarf over the lamp, you know, to oh, create, it, you know, it, it existed.
0: Yes. This is where like all yeah. the freshmen would figure out like their sexual lives there I remember hearing. oh we should just <laughs> I remember hearing stuff about what went down in that class and I was like she really knew how to set a mood
2: <laughs> uh, yeah mm. um I don't I, I don't know about that but um but yeah mm. hearing the sex lives of high school kids it's
0: yeah what the gr- let's talk about that like How does that, like, as a teacher, when you hear, like, do any of the teachers being like, can you believe, like, I remember that, like, not the shop teacher that you were just talking about, but the other one, I remember, like, hearing that, like, in, like, his bathroom, something went down or whatever, and everyone just, like, couldn't stop talking.
2: Yeah, the funny thing is, is, like, it may have been numerous people that may have just been a meeting spot for several amorous high school couples, and I'm like, ew, in uh, my head but, I'm just like
0: why why in high school why there's like 10 there's like 10 classrooms like the school is so small why like go elsewhere <laughs>
2: <laughs> a bathroom I, I don't know I'm if They even so now romantic
0: mm. a little bit. <laughs> what episode of Riverdale uh, yes, are they watching
2: music? I know disgusting um but the funny thing is is that story about the bathroom um <laughs> like I have heard that story with multiple players like who and you're just like
1: what's actually like, what really happened <laughs>
2: I don't want to know, but I do. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I just remember like my so guidance counselor,
0: like we were having I was in this like peer mediation um group like thing. Like it was like kind of anyways, that was one of my classes. And I remember her being like, ladies, if you're gonna send a photo, no faces, okay? No way to identify yourself. She's like, if you're gonna do it, you oh just gotta gosh. like she was like, I have no faith in any of you, but just like please just like no faces everyone no faces no identification <laughs> you do not want that sent to anywhere
2: <laughs> you know That's and, amazing. and I get that like some people be like oh, how dare she give that advice I'm like if you really think about it that is some good advice it <laughs> like, makes sense just because yeah and just because like these poor girls like are so desperate for like Male attention at that age. Mm-hmm. When somebody the nudes request, they're like, "Oh, okay," and I'm like, "What are you doing?" Like, I wish they had the self respect just to say no and buzz off, but they don't. Yeah. And so, like, as much as we want to, like, you know, criticize that teacher for giving that advice, that was probably some of the more sage advice given.
0: It was good advice, <laughs> like to yeah. so
2: a group of high school girls.
0: Yeah. Someone asked like, me if I could take some. A, a lot of people someone texted me one day and I was like oh can you send me a picture of you getting naked so I went to Walmart and like got the naked juice and I just sent a selfie of me just being like got it
1: true Celine <laughs> fashion. true Celine fashion I love that leave me alone
0: <laughs> bye
2: so so thankful I went to high school and college before really the cell phone advent um cell phones were just kind of coming on and they were just a literal talking device when I was in college like I am so glad that all of my stupidity had if it was going to be documented on film it was literally on film that had to be developed like you could throw (laughs) the film away you could rip up the pictures like there's relatively little to no evidence of my stupidity and I really do kind of my heart kind of hurts for mm-hmm. a lot of kids that i mean you're allowed to have some stupid years you're completely yeah. allowed that i mean none of us are perfect but mm-hmm. the fact that it's recorded and can be sent to the entire universe including tmz within seconds i'm just like oh, oh that there like, was a scandal so in my school so, about
1: happening where it it came out a couple or like a year ago mm-hmm. but when we were freshmen this guy was just being. Like just a dumb kid who was impressionable. And so just took this dumb video of just like saying things he shouldn't have been saying. And it came out a couple like just a couple months ago to a year ago. And people were like, Ew, this guy's disgusting. I'm like, do do all of you realize that this kid was 13 when this video was taken? Yeah. You realize that he really well, let's just trans Twitter and his employment history.
0: It's cool. <laughs> yeah. So actually, it's
2: cool for the next decade. Like you can
0: never get a job. Whatever. It's fine it's rough so yeah bad. I don't all I thinking. have is like mm. 40 videos of me ser- singing with my <laughs> singing <laughs> so. your little heart out
2: <laughs> I'm really and you sad know that's okay <laughs> I
0: love it okay what is so from my much. oh you're fine from my time at school what was your favorite like hilarious memory of like like that was just so ridiculous and funny or whatever. It doesn't even have to be about me. I just mean like in like, it was just super funny.
2: Um, I honestly, some of the conversations that I got to have through literature with students, I always loved. Yeah. Um, and so um, I'll just remember this one boy, like long, like I, without getting too involved in it, like, um, People just didn't understand his relationship with this girl. And everyone, it became like a public topic. And normally I would shut that stuff down and be like, okay, we're not going to talk about that kid, like Mm -hmm. in his relationship, like this has no place, but but honestly, I think I was a little interested. So I just kind (laughs) of let it go and let them talk. And, and it was like, and I just remember they're they're talking about like he needs to find somebody else she's so like controlling blah, blah 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 and i just remember and i was like well why doesn't he find somebody else and this one girl throws her hands up and she's like i volunteer as tribute and it was just so perfectly <laughs> timed and hilarious like and cute and like those kinds of moments that were just that. So, like real and yeah. funny, like, and that's, again, why I love my job. I get to hang out with teenagers all day. And a lot of people think that's awful. And I'm like, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Teenagers have the ability to, like, have adult conversations, yet have the in, the joy of their innocence still kind of about them. Yeah. And it's awesome to kind of watch them waking up to adulthood. Like, what a great job I cool. have.
0: Yeah, so I can tell. I can hear that it.
2: Cool. I, I too love, too. love it. It's so fun. I love it. I can, just, it. Like, I can hear it in your
0: cool. voice. Just, Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for you. Okay, so let's dive into the books that we're discussing. Anna, what do you want to discuss first?
1: So, yeah, so we're going to talk about Hunger Games. I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know what it's about. Do you want me to read the back page excerpt? Give us a little. Give okay. us a little bit of it. Okay, I'll read it for you guys. Could you survive on your own in the wild with everyone out to make sure you don't live to see the morning? In the ruins of a place once known as North America lies the nation of Panem, a shining capital surrounded by 12 outlying districts. The capital is harsh and cruel and keeps the districts in line by forcing them all to send one boy and one girl between the ages of 12 and 18 to participate in the annual Hunger Games, a fight to the death on live TV. 16-year-old Katniss Everdeen, who lives alone with her mother and young sister, regards it as a death sentence when she steps forward to take her sister's place in the games. But Katniss has been close to dead before, and survival for her is second nature. Without really meaning to, she becomes a contender. But if she is to win, she will have to start making choices that weigh survival against humanity, and life against love. Wow, that took me oh. back.
0: <laughs> I know, I was literally like, I could hear like the Hunger Games tribute song coming on. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then like the
1: cannons when someone dies.
0: Okay, so Janine, you picked this one. So why do you love it? Like tell us what made you I choose did. this series.
2: Okay, actually I remember um when I first heard about this book. I was it was when I last taught middle school, because actually I've taught middle school, then I went back up to high school, and now I'm back at middle school. Mm-hmm. So um it was when I was last teaching middle school and all the girls were obsessed with Twilight at that point. <laughs> Oh, Twilight. Oh, um, awesome. and I. It's back. And, it's. Oh, it's I, and it has. Um, and that's Not fine. Not by teenagers, um, just 30 all, year old women. It's fine. I know. Well, it's because you read it the first go. Um, that 10 years ago, I was teaching you. So it's all good. Um, <laughs> so. Um, like all the girls were passing around those books and uh the the Twilight books. And I remember I was like, Who is the Stephanie Meyer? And she recommended the Hunger Games. And so I actually was like, Whatever, Stephanie Meyer. And I grabbed the Stephanie. Twilight if you're listening to this, we're so
0: sorry. Now. We
2: did not know the way. Oh she no, no, felt. no. I, I kidding. <laughs> no, I I'm always suspicious when kids are super into a book. I'm like, why are mm-hmm. they into this? Well, I totally got into why they were into it. I seriously, that's when my oldest was a baby. And I'm, I just remember sitting there reading Twilight because my husband worked um, nights. And so I'm sitting there at dinner feeding her those little puffs for babies. And mm-hmm. I'm like putting them on her tray, completely ignoring her. And I look up, she's got this like mountain of puffs and she's just like, you expect me <laughs> to eat all this? And I completely ignored her, and I just remember I got to the end of the book, and she's sitting there in her high chair, and I was like, "Okay, we're done with that book." And I got her out of her high chair, put her on my hip, and we went to Target, and I got the second book. Yes, and that like I loved that series. I had a great time with that series. So Stephanie Meyer, if you are listening, like you got a fan here. Don't worry. Yeah, but she, I started getting on to like sites about Stephanie Meyer and what she was about and her inspiration and blah blah blah, because I do that. I nerd out on authors when I find somebody I like. And Mm -hmm. she, it just felt like I was talking to a friend and she was sitting there saying, oh my gosh, I'm reading this book called The Hunger Games. And I was like, okay, Paige, back to Target. So like threw her on my hip and we went (laughs) down to Target, grabbed that book too. And I, I was reading it and I just loved it. And I was like, you know, this would be great for middle schoolers. And so again, I convinced my admin to buy me, you know, 40 copies of Hunger Games. And I was teaching that to like classes of seventh and eighth graders. Uh, before it was even published a year like I was out teaching it that's awesome Um, and so I loved that book and the funny thing is it's like it's kind of my go-to so I when I went back to middle school in the last couple years I started teaching middle school again in what year was that 2018 so I went back Mm. and I was like can I get the hunger games and they're like sure (laughs) so again I I get this this, like whole like class at a hunger Games. And I started buying them myself when I, again, when I go to thrift shops and stuff, I find it for a dollar. So I grab, you know, hardback in there and you can't ever have enough because, you know, middle schoolers, ultimately they play football with your book and they, you know, leave it in the bathroom and they use it to prop up their bed and all kinds of stuff. So you got to have extras. And the thing is what I love about this book more than anything is that as much as it's futuristic dystopia, um, there's things in our own society you can pull from it and especially this year like with uh COVID and so many government mandates and mm-hmm. all of this it's hitting a little different this year let me tell you teaching it except actually right now we are at chapter I think we just finished chapter 17 with my seventh graders and the, the thing is I can't even deny it like they have seen the movie. I mean, please, it's yeah. it's over ten years old now. Like, seen the movie, but it's I love teaching them something they're familiar with too because they're like, this is so much richer than the movie. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, it is. Yes, it is. Like, like, yeah. Yes, I love when they have always. that moment though because they're just like, so this is why we should read. I'm like, yes, you know <laughs> that one and a half hour. Um, movie two-hour movie cannot possibly go into the depth of this book that's going to take us six weeks to read together as a class yeah and you know Katniss can't sit there and talk to herself on screen she'll look like a psycho but when we have that uh first person limited um narrator we get to know all of her thoughts what she's feeling um whereas we get to see the other perspectives the, yeah. the conflict going on in her. Otherwise we just get, you know, weird, like eye movements and like, you know, sour expressions on a face and that's all we get. And it's so, it's just not deep enough. And I, I love, um, just that how much deeper it's going, the whole idea of the government telling you what you can and cannot buy and what you can and cannot have. And Mm -hmm. it really has hit my students different this year. And (laughs) to the point, they're almost like a little scared. And I'm like, okay, guys, like- (laughs) Getting a little dramatic there. Calm down. Uh, okay. I teaches uh, school in
0: California. Just to be specific, yeah. girl teaches <laughs>
2: teaches school I in teach California. California so I don't I don't know where you guys are, but um, <laughs> we've had some pretty strict mandates, and also like you know like I'm just going to be without you know being too political. Cause actually, Selene and I were talking earlier about how sometimes when people get too political, like it's just too much. Um, But without being political, we have had a lot of sanctions and a lot of even our leaders being very um, uh, hypocritical as far as what's good for the plebs versus what's good enough for them at the elite levels. Mm-hmm. And my students are feeling those hypocrisies and they're seeing that in the art, in the Hunger Games, and they're able to make those connections and watching students make those connections between the art and the real life around them is so powerful. And wow. so they are having that moment and it's, it's pretty powerful to watch. So mm-hmm. as much as we want to think of it as futures, futuristic dystopia, and it has nothing to do with our society and it's escapist, is it? Um, is it yeah. really? Yeah, because it's yeah. kind of not, and mm. very interesting, and uh, just watching kids make those connections—it's it's pretty powerful stuff. So I enjoy that.
0: Also, reading The Hunger Games too, just like that book is amazing. Like seriously, yeah. and I love like the way that Katniss really pull pulls inside of herself. It's such a great role model and stuff like that. Except for straight up the ending i couldn't i couldn't i didn't ever recover from it like no, my, I didn't heart, it my heart it left like such a bad taste in my mouth the ending of the series, the of the series. Mm. i just felt like there was no closure which was fine i mean it oh yeah no
2: i hated mocking jay i hated the third act yeah i couldn't
0: i didn't, I didn't do well. feel
2: like it didn't close yeah i i felt like it closed but i felt like it closed in a hurry to me it felt like an author that was under a deadline or was just tired and it just felt like and then everything turned to poop and that's the end the end like what I was so like and it hurts when you've you've invested like a thousand pages into a story you're just like really you're
0: like this is my world
2: too okay I know yeah I'm here now (laughs) it's not like I needed it to tie up in a bow and happily ever yeah. after I'm no. I read adult literature like I know that that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily happen but all the same I just hated how it just kind of had this really rich involved you know story that all of a sudden and then it just kind of like flopped at the fifth act was like however <gasps> did you I know I'm like what um <laughs> However, did you have a chance to read uh, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes? I haven't yet. Do you recommend it? I do, actually. It is very redeeming. (laughs) That's the only word I can think of is redeeming because Mockingjay was so, for me at least, disappointing. For those of you that have hung all of your joys on that book, you know, apologies. (laughs) But I felt like comparatively of, of the three books, Mocking was very disappointing. Yeah. Uh the I Just couldn't still, believe it, Anna.
0: I haven't read it. No. Well it's actually on our okay. list on our we're doing like a every yeah. month we read a book with our readers. So right now we're on Midnight Sun with our okay. readers. And so next month we're doing oh, okay. that one. So we'll we'll read it and then nice. we'll listeners like the comment yeah. and stuff. So if you want to like add in some commentary Ooh. when we do the episode I'm, like, I'm, yeah. I'm
2: I'm not going to give anything away because I know if you guys are getting ready to read it, I don't want to hurt anything for Mm -hmm. you, especially if you're as invested in this series like I am. And it sounds as if you are, um, but I, it's a prequel. And Mm -hmm. so this gives us some insight into president snow and his life and how it's pretty much like the development of the Hunger Games, how they developed into what they were starting at the black book, first book. Um, and it takes place at year 10, whereas oh. Katniss is year 74. Her first okay. book, the black book mm-hmm. is year 74 of the Hunger Games. This is year 10. And, um, uh, Coriolanus Snow, who becomes president Snow is a teenager at like pretty much an elite school in the Capitol oh and it, it's still fresh out of the war that caused all of this. And so- yeah. Um, you get to see his struggles, his development, uh, you kind of get to see his animosity towards, uh, the poor in district 12, you see that develop. Um, and it's interesting. It's, he's a very interesting, uh, protagonist or kind of anti-hero as we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier, um, Celine, just because it's like, you start to see who he is and you start to like develop this empathy and compassion. For him, and then he does something so awful. You're like, and there went that. Like, but you can see, like, it, it sounds bad, but you kind of get the development of a monster in kind of an empathetic way. It's it's well written, well done. It's long. It's it's definitely long, but it's it's a beautiful, beautiful book. I, I'm yeah. looking forward to you guys reading it.
1: It sounds really good. I always think stories are interesting. Awesome. awesome where you know the protagonist is going to end up evil because you know he's going to end up to be president snow and the horrible things he does but like to still read his journey to figure out how he became like that i love stories like that yes,
2: yes. i accidentally so read one of
1: those
0: go. and like didn't know that was the end game and so when it ended when it, the way it did i was like what like, <laughs> it was i think marissa myers is like queen of hearts or something like that it was like the story of the queen of oh hearts, my but gosh called Partless was or something. so and i read it so mad about the ending for that one.
1: Oh, I was just mad I like it wasn't closure you spent five books leading up to these characters and how like you know we were gonna get our happy ending and then you were just like let's go our separate ways and I'm like what anyways <laughs> I, <their> thoughts,
0: but... <laughs> I was like pissed <laughs> yes no I literally was like I did not expect it and so I didn't know it was the story of how she came to be so when it ended the way it was I was like oh oh Oh, and I was just yeah. So I'm glad we like know that it's President Snow's book. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think it's it's kind of hard to get. We were just interviewing Lori Forrest a couple weeks ago, and just like we talked about how hard it is to get into like a villain's brain. She was talking about like writing from like the perspective of the villain, and it was just so fascinating to just like. Oh, it scares me. It scares me big time. Um. So, really quick, can you pause? I'm gonna pause this my recording my battery's on my child is woken up if you cannot hear her
2: right now I can hear her <laughs> I
0: can hear. Yeah. so um I think what we'll do is we'll have if you're okay with finishing uh, I don't know what to do because like my child's awake so I'm just like crap
1: is Tanner here
0: <laughs> he is so I'm just gonna go tell him to let Adelaide and we'll just like, do
1: one more book and then maybe call it good
0: that's what I think we need to do okay sweet okay. sorry also we've been talking for like 45 minutes so I'm like we'll just do one more book so you, you guys decide time. which book and then I'll just like yes what sorry
2: out, man? we out. are honestly I'm so willing this let me just get my child to be podcast.
0: quiet <laughs> we're gonna have you back on a lot and
2: that's like the interesting thing is you guys can totally just go back and tailor and I love that yeah that's what is really nice is we're like let's just write down this time
1: and like I'm gonna write down the time right now do you have kids at home Anna I have one son but he's 15 months old and he's like I was like a really wild child and the guy I married was just a very tender spirit and so our son has a very tender spirit like my husband so he's he's fun but he's very like cute he's cuddly and I'm sure like he'll hit the terrible twos eventually and through all the tantrums, but I'll soak up you know, the.
0: I was just saying that because my child is from- it's a demon.
2: <laughs> like, I I found that. Granted, I have two pretty gentle spirited children myself, but mm-hmm. um, the terrible twos weren't really all that terrible. Um, the terrible threes—it's sort of like oh. twos are tantrumy, yes, but okay. three is tantrumy with words and it oh. oh that was worse it just gets way worse that was so much worse because they're trying to reason with you but there is no reason and it oh it was awful mm-hmm. so seriously there were days where my husband would walk in and i'd be like take her before i beat her and i would like walk away <laughs> <laughs> like there's going to be views happening i got to go it's so, so annoying when they're, they're pretty easy mm-hmm. going like oh God. Than they Give are. me I say I say that also. I it sounds terrible, but I say that about children and dogs. Give me <laughs> your dumb dog because your smart dog that needs way more attention than your dumb mm-hmm. dog. And I think the same goes for like kids. <laughs> the bad thing about dumb <laughs> kids is I swear they're all hell bent on like killing themselves. Yes. Whether it's like jumping <laughs> off a rug just putting or, them in situations. Like, that's the stuff yeah like they have the lack of the like end result like yeah reason this through and what's happened yes um your smart kid can do that <laughs> like your dumb kid can't that you're worry, you worry more about keeping the dumb kid alive but the smart kids the one that's sitting there like trying to mastermind a situation mm-hmm. and that's that's tough <laughs> mm-hmm. it
0: is it is so they're like all right what are we talking okay, about let's what book are we gonna do, Kite Runner, or do we want to do uh, The Help? Um,
1: whatever you want to do. Those are
0: both what? The Help, those since are both we've all so read good. it, so that works for us.
2: Yeah. Okay. You haven't read Kite Runner, Celine? No. <gasps> oh. I, okay. I It's one
1: of those books I don't think I could ever read again. But I remember everything that happened because it was just such a standout. Everything so- happens. Like,
2: yeah so good and that's the funny thing is when I taught it at high school level um he, like the boys were so freaked out and something that really why. that I kind of got in their face about oh yeah totally mm-hmm. but I was just like if a woman got raped you wouldn't think anything of it would you no and they really kind of get this like slap on their face and I'm like Think about that. Really let that resonate. If yeah. a woman was sexually assaulted, you would not be bothered. But the fact that a man was sexually assaulted, all of a sudden you're offended. I'm like, I know it hit a lot deeper. Deep.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Look in your soul. Um. So yes. And unfortunately, Kite Runner, Celine, like uh, there is a male rape in there and it is the catalyst for what happens in the rest yeah. of the book because ultimately you have a character that witnesses it and that's your narrator is the person that witnesses it and he doesn't Mm -hmm. do anything to a stop it no or b kind of make amends for it and he spends the rest of his life trying to make amends for the fact that he saw this horrible crime and like and that's the thing I taught it to the high school kids and you could imagine the kids at East Nick like were like and i was telling anna like they they had a moment because they were they were so freaked out especially the boys that there was a male on male sexual assault and they they couldn't even talk about it they couldn't even say mm-hmm. it they're like the thing the thing that happened and i was like but that thing that happened if it happened to a woman you wouldn't have any trouble with it would you and they kind of got this like slapped look and i'm like yeah and i was like you think about that like Assaults happen all the time, but for whatever reason, society has made a female assault okay somehow. We can talk about it, and but if a male assault happens, then all of a sudden that's like this ultimate taboo. Mm -hmm. And and they got schooled a little bit on that, and they kind of had a moment where they had to kind of realize their own biases. And um, but wow, what a powerful book! So if I can recommend a book to you, Celine, and I'm sure. Like like Anna said, it might not be one that you're like, oh, it's Christmas. I think I shall pull out this book yeah. and read it again. Like, you're not <laughs> going to do that. It's, it's heavy. But it is really a beautifully told story yeah. about redemption more than anything. Just the idea of, like, a lifelong redemption. It's, it's a really book you beautiful. read
1: that definitely changes your perspective on life. Like, it definitely changes the way
2: you think.
0: Oh, yeah. You're mm-hmm. recording this, right? Because that was yes. beautiful. Oh, thank gosh.
2: <laughs> I and like, wow. I loved, and I really loved also the fact that it introduced me to a culture of which I was unfamiliar. Yeah, it, takes say, it was the same for me. Mm-hmm. And it made me a gay, and this is why I love teaching English. It like, you can take kids to places and cultures and things you know, in a book, like, and Mm -hmm. you can research and learn about the culture. And I loved that. Um, And yeah, I just remember kind of immersing myself in um, reading up on the culture and the food and the religion and uh, ceremonies and uh, Kabul. It takes place in Kabul. Mm -hmm. And I was like looking up, you know, satellite pictures of Kabul just so I could get my brain in the zone. Yeah. Yeah what a great time to be alive that I can look at, you know, Google earth and (laughs) see all those things. So just saying, sorry, I know you guys intended to talk about the help and I took you down a different road, but the help we can go there too.
0: We're totally fine with that. I was literally (laughs) like, Oh, this is amazing. I had no idea. Okay. So tell me why you love Grapes of Wrath then.
2: Oh, I love the Grapes of Wrath. Um, okay. And that's the thing. A lot of kids would also be like, ew, that book. But I'm like, okay. On the English teacher level, I think structurally, it is the most beautifully structured book I've ever read. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how it's almost like you get introduced to a topic and then in for the first chapter and then in the second chapter, it carries over into a personal level, personal story. So it opens with this turtle going down the street And then the turtle is picked up by this guy walking down the road who just got let out of prison, who's going back to his family, and he picks up the turtle to take it to his brothers and sisters. Like, and and it just carries on. And so, like, like, I just loved the cohesiveness of uh, what's happening from chapter to chapter, Mm -hmm. and how in one chapter, you know, this. Something that has nothing to do with the characters you're following, but then all of a sudden it does carry into the characters you're following and it's beautiful. And I think, um, again, doing reading up on Steinbeck, um, he fully intentioned his full intention for that book was for it to always be a movie. And so you look, um, the time period in which the movie was brought out, it was within a couple of years of the book being published that it was brought out in movie format. Um, so he really kind of wrote it like a screenplay, um, yeah. and so I feel like it, the movie, in your brain kind of gets going as you're reading it. And uh, for me personally, and that's the thing though, my I I was telling Selene earlier, I was raised by Southerners, and largely they are Southerners that left the South because of the Dust Bowl, like it was starved to death, or moved to California, and so yeah. that to me has a personal feel to it because like my family wound up in Bakersfield California from Oklahoma Arkansas Texas Louisiana all of that through there. And so for me it's a tale of my family and when they're talking in their accent I completely understand it no subtitles needed because I know that accent and yeah I hear it I hear the the drop in the r I hear I hear all that. And so that's that for me, that's the story of my people. And so, mm-hmm. so it definitely hits on a personal chord, but I think structurally it's beautiful. I think it is a beautiful example of the postmodern movement. Um, I the, the mod- really, the modernist movement. It's really not postmodern, it's modernist. Mm-hmm. Um, just the whole idea, because it's in that same kind of vein as the great Gatsby. In just that it's this whole feeling of no matter how hard you pursue and try, it doesn't matter. And you're just going to die. Thanks, modernist. I mean, it's kind of a downer, but it's a beautiful example of that time period of writing. So that also goes with Hemingway and Steinbeck and, you know, yeah. um, F. Scott Fitzgerald and that entire group of writers at that time. It kind of encompasses all of that. So
0: we're gonna do that you got to talk about to kill a mockingbird I'm sitting there like we'll just listen and you just like continue to be intelligent I know
2: (laughs) I will say
1: this about the groups of wrath though because the first did you read this in school soon do you remember a lot about it I remember the first time or the only time because I've never reread it we read this class this book in class and it was our first look into like basically extreme poverty yeah So like it taught us like it in America, along too. with all the imagery yeah like this book basically taught me about poverty and how like these people still gave everything they had to each other when they had nothing mm-hmm. to give and I just I like remember and that a lot when I read this book
0: and I think that is we believe that we can't be touched by that but like mm-hmm. literally there are people alive today that went through that maybe
2: that that is my grandparents story yeah. and so and that's the funny thing is also there's things that I pick up because I'm from Bakersfield, which is where they wound up. That's where grandma mm-hmm. died. That's where they're picking the fruit. That's where they're in the camp. Um, those are actual places that they are discussing that I know I can drive you there. Yeah. Um, and so they like, huh, it's, it's deeper. And it's a, that I, I think it's funny. You're like, I never knew that kind of poverty existed. I'm like, I grew up around that poverty, yeah. My entire life, and so the funny thing is also in Celine. This will make sense to you, um, not and not to be like let's exclude Anna. But I'm just saying you're gonna know exactly <laughs> what I'm Don't talking worry. about right now, Celine. And that is those people that wound up in Bakersfield. Hordes of them actually came north and wound up in. Wait for it, Olivehurst. That same complete poverty that you witnessed in Olivehurst is the same people that wound up in. Bakersfield in the Grapes of Wrath. And that is that same generation because we're talking about what's become ultimately generational poverty.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. That
2: is still in Bakersfield and it is still um, here up in Olivehurst because Celine lived right outside when she was in California, was living right outside of this community called Olivehurst that also has Mm -hmm. extreme poverty. Uh, And it's, and it's in that like generational kind of poverty where you're like, why won't you fix yourself? Um, my family worked incredibly hard to fix themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, so in my family, we have like Stanford grads because they moved here and they went to Stanford because, and that's the thing they would work in the summers to try to pay for their tuition and they got financial aid and they went to Stanford and they went to different colleges to try to better themselves, to remove themselves from that kind of generational poverty. However, um, often when you're in that generational poverty, you don't know how to escape it. And if you go to places like Oliver's, because you'll see like a house that obviously has not been updated since the forties, maybe fifties, it looks Mm -hmm. like a slum. There's multiple generations living there. And it's really this like, lack of education, last lack of understanding how to transcend that level of poverty. And yeah. so the same people, so Celine, you're probably familiar with that accent too. You've heard it, um, because it's around here as well. And somebody finally connected those dots for me. And I was like, everything now makes sense because I, I, cause they talk about Oildale in the mm. grapes of wrath, which is a yep. little like community right outside Bakersfield. Um, that is extremely impoverished it still is and it's kind of the brunt of jokes kind of like the Oliver's Linda area is up here and they explained to me how a lot of the workers from that area in Bakersfield moved up here because they followed the stone fruit harvests and the nut harvests and so yeah so that yeah so it's interesting that, that those two communities are kind of linked yeah, they're linked yeah. totally. Um, and it's this agrarian, you know, farm culture of California that people don't really talk about. It's funny because people are like, I'm from California. And like, most people think like beaches and 90210. And, um, and I'm like, yeah, there's a whole nother side of California that you know nothing about. And it's the <laughs> one that's growing your fruit. It's the one yeah. growing your nuts. Uh, it's the one growing it's- your rice. <laughs> um yeah a little different um but I think just structurally it's a beautiful novel I think it's a great example of modernist um literature um I just think it's a classic now again Mm -hmm. it's super heavy you're not going to sit down on Christmas morning and be like you know I think I'm going to reread this like it's too heavy too much yeah um grows. (laughs) (laughs) nope not doing that one either (laughs) um you know that wilson rawls didn't even he did he told the story but his wife had to transcribe it because even into his adulthood he was illiterate oh my god wow i didn't know that yeah like he told the story his wife transcribed it because he was still illiterate
0: wow
2: that's fascinating yeah good for him for still getting it out into the world yeah good for him getting that story out there no matter what but still just kind of heartbreaking that that kind of illiteracy like still exists like I mean yeah. granted that came out you know years and years ago but still like even even now looking around just our area when you see people that are still kind of functioning illiterates um it's kind of shocking and so when yeah. parents are like reading reading stupid I'm like oh no, okay no, honey. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it just brings to attention like honestly the way that you kind of bridge that too is the way that your family like pulled themselves out of um poverty was through education and it just so yes. shows like the importance like the dire importance of education and not only right. that but like I think a lot this year, we've had a lot of pretty hard discussions, like as a, as a worldwide community. I think one of the things is like class issues that are very specific that people are like, and I remember having a conversation in June about this with um, a friend of mine, because I was trying to just like open my understanding a little bit as to like why people were feeling specific ways. And she was just like, you grew up in a home where your parents told you that you could do anything that like, if you work hard enough, you could accomplish it. And she's like, I grew up in a home where people believed this was the way things were. And if you tried to step outside of that, then you were turning either against your family or that people would turn against you. And I was like, I can't imagine it. I think that's why I'm always pushing books where the protagonists pull themselves out.
2: Right. No, that's, and that's a beautiful message. And I think you're absolutely right. Like a lot of families, if you decide that you want to be more and have more and be more educated. That's somehow a slap in the faces mm-hmm. of the people who have raised you. And actually that was brought to my attention when I was working in a largely farmworker community is they mm. were telling me like they the kids go home and if they want to be more, do more, have more, that's a slap into their parents' faces. And so they have to tread very lightly um, or just don't even challenge that system that has been established because what's good enough for their parents if it's not good enough for you then you're somehow some sort of pretender and you know like Mm. harmful to you know their families and I it's something I don't understand because my family was always like like, have more be more get out there do more like yeah you know
0: do you feel like because one thing that I think you see as a teacher I feel that you see is like you really see the, the template, the temperature of the youth. Does that make sense? Like you're seeing where they're going. I think like even reading the Hunger Games, yeah. you're seeing kind of their perspectives of things. And do you feel that, how do you feel that education can help empower them? And what do you think would be beneficial for, um, like if somebody was listening to this or like, you know, if we were to able to have a conversation, cause you worked for the California board of education, you know, what are some things that you wish that you could just help to empower yeah. those kind of people in those situations?
2: Um oh it's not a really heavy. Uh, <laughs> you know, not so heavy. heavy. Here's a deep conversation. Um, I, I know. Wow. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is We had to talk about grapes of, of wrath. I mean, come on. What does are... <laughs> <mother. laughs> not I simply What does not simply touch the grapes of wrath. Um, my <laughs> sister-in-law actually is a librarian. And, uh, she's a high school librarian and we were actually having some good conversations over Christmas. And, um, that was something that I was noticing and that's every community I've worked in kind of has its own temperature, if you will, to use your terminology. And it's interesting because white now, right now, white now, (laughs) irony, (laughs) um, right now I'm working, um, in Wheatland, California, which actually has a huge air force base community right there. And so it's interesting that some communities I've worked in are super, like every kid here is going to college. This is our goal. This is what we're pushing for. And other communities are very much like, no, we are trades people. And that's what our goal is. We just want to get them out and into a trade. There's nothing wrong with that because me, um, I, as much as I love talking books, I also need a plumber, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. while, I need a plumber. Every once in a while, I need somebody that can, you know, put up a barn door in my house. Like, so all of those things, I don't ever mean to be that person that demeans, um, trades, but that's its own type of education. And so ultimately I kind of look at, um, everyone needs education, whether that is about Shakespeare or about spark plugs, like, (laughs) It, it depends on your path, your journey, and what you need. Um, I don't feel we're in a place right now because I know a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, the kids have fallen behind. You know, what are we going to do to get the kids educationally back on course? And I'm like, kids are fine. Kids are more resilient than you know. <laughs> like, we will catch them up. Like, mm-hmm. um, At least in English, because English tends to be taught in a cycle, in a spiral. Like, if you didn't catch commas in first grade, you're going to catch them in second or third or fourth or seventh. Uh Like, it just keeps getting retaught in a slightly more deep and meaningful way. Uh, Things like math, though, that definitely just kind of build on each other. Uh, You have to understand concept one before you can understand concept two and keeping going like that. Those things might need to go back and need some, um, some buff some buffing up and some reminders and a little bit of reteaching. But I feel like things like English, you're gonna be fine, like, don't worry about that. Um, (laughs) But I do think education is important, but whether or not that um, is regarding um, academia or a trade. And also I working in a military community for the first time, this is my first um, stint working in a military kind of community. I have really, really kind of changed my tune about military. And it's not that I was ever anti-military, but I did work in communities where I felt like it was largely like huge farm worker communities where the military would come in and it almost felt like some sort of like Hunger Games, like reaping where it was like, okay, who doesn't want to work in the fields and starve to death? And like, they were totally taking these kids into the military. And I was like, doesn't this feel predatory? Like, but the thing is, honestly, I've changed my tune about that. Um, I really do think that the military has its place too. I think some kids are not ready for college. And I think Mm -hmm. the military is a great place to learn discipline and hard work and how to organize, how to adult, like it's kind of adulthood, like college. I always felt like a, like college is kind of adulthood with training wheels. I feel like the military is that too, for a lot of kids that need not be home, but they're not ready for a junior college experience because they didn't particularly like their high school experience. So I think the military is a great other alternative that need a different kind of education. And at the end of their contracted time, they can either continue on with the military, they can leave the military and have the military pay for their education if they're ready for it, or they can continue with some sort of trade that's involved with the military. So I'm like, that is a great option too. So um, I think- More than anything, we need to create a literate society because, regardless of if you're doing spark plugs or you're a chef or if you are in the military or if you're going to academia, the one thing you definitely need is to be able to read. I feel like it is the mother. I feel like it is the mother subject. Like, you have to know how to do this. You have to be able to think. You have to be able to reason. And again, like I said, like earlier, Shakespeare. You know, obviously the kid who's going to go build fences doesn't need Shakespeare, but he does need to know how to read plans. He needs to know how to read a contract. He needs to know how to um, explain himself when he goes and talks to a customer as to why he's mm-hmm. doing what he needs to justify himself. And those are all skills taught in English classes. So as much as people want to potentially at times poo-poo in English class, and that's not necessary <laughs> It depends on who the teacher is, but I really feel like it is necessary because it's just reading the literature is just a, a springboard mm-hmm. into letting kids have conversations where they have to justify their opinions,
0: mm-hmm. where they
2: have to, um, really, um, involve themselves in their critical thinking yeah. and nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing I know. wrong so with if we that. I totally agree. Ain't nothing wrong with that. So if we can raise readers like seriously the most helpful thing you guys can both do as young mothers is put your child on your lap and teach them that books are our friends and they have information and show them how like something that i thought was interesting also because my sister-in-law who was a librarian she used to be a reading specialist which she still is technically i mean that's still her um yeah her she still has a credential in it yeah. but she was a reading specialist and she said it was shocking because they would go and test the incoming kindergartners to see like where they were academically and how many kids had never touched a book that's she so thought sad that was shocking. What? there's very basics about and it's called concepts of print where you hand a kid a book mm-hmm. and tell them okay tell me what's going on in this book there were kids mm-hmm. that didn't know what to do with it there were kids like seriously like we're kind of like what I can't swipe it like (laughs) I can't click on something like where's my mom's phone like they didn't know how to turn a page they didn't understand that you went left to right and you turned like they didn't know how to follow a line I mean just so so those few things starting at toddlerhood that we can teach children just that there is a sequence to stories like you know when you get that little kid that comes up to you and they yank on your shirt and they're like um um and they they're something you're like what on earth yeah <laughs> like sometimes they just haven't heard a story to understand that there's a beginning a middle and an end and like kind of like yes. a reason why i just told yeah. you the
0: story <laughs> yes english english is good so, yes. like teaching mm-hmm.
2: it's our friend it helps us communicate and so yes. again even at the like their youngest ages, if they can learn those structures, yeah. um, that's huge. So they don't need to go get their PhD at Stanford. They just need to be able to communicate effectively. Oh. And we start that in school. Beautiful. Love that. I totally agree with that. Thank
0: you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I seriously, I'm like, so glad you came on today because I feel yeah, like this is awesome this like flushed out into such a deep and meaningful conversation and I feel like I benefited so much from it because I'm like oh yes this is so beautiful and now I'm gonna go read all the books Aww. I'm like so excited oh yeah oh
2: yeah well that's the other thing like you have to realize also your toddler's gonna get up and run away that's okay
0: <laughs> like- <laughs> reads herself her books. she's like that's cute mom I'll read my own and she's just like my kid just reads her own books but we have the Dolly Parton Imagination Library so everyone has, like, I love
2: that I love that seriously and my my daughter my 13 year old's on this major kick of dolly for president like oh yeah Dolly's um, awesome dolly's, dolly's amazing oh, Our hometown I love <laughs> dolly. and and again you have somebody who like could have potentially been uneducated potentially We're lived not. in that generational poverty and you had 100%. somebody who chose
0: she who chose so to that. be
2: literate yeah amazing.
0: and she helps so many other people she's other given out over people with 82 million books
2: I mean good lord Amazing. how beautiful is that to do that for children and speaking of Dolly I love <laughs> guilty pleasure book um have you read um Dumplin
0: oh I haven't read it I watched the show so read it
2: okay yes the book's good um honestly and uh, the movie is good too on Netflix it I was it that. was I it was, was so charming on Netflix we mm-hmm. loved it um, as usual the book goes into a little deeper into some relationship stuff but julie mm-hmm. murphy is a fun writer okay. um she also wrote a book called puddin which um is kind of like the sequel it goes into one of the other characters and her issues Ooh. um but fun read and i love that there's a constant like nod to dolly parton in there there is um mm-hmm. and so in the and south that's what they're about to love about that
0: Oh, man. In the south,
2: totally we to, in We've already been in only one.
0: It's great. <laughs> we love
2: oh, it. I love that. Oh, so jealous. I want to go to Dallas. This Dali- is my Dali- guest Dali- room. Come stay. <laughs> um, um, I want to. Don't think I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> like The problem is, honestly, Celine, I want to come visit, but uh, this summer, that's probably when you're going to be in like heavy wedding season.
0: I'll make time for you. It's fine. I've got... July is open. We'll make it work. i'll take you to dollywood it'll be great like oh my god we'll hug her
2: oh i just i want to so bad i love all my life
0: i have this thing if you are not if you don't know me personally which is like probably 15 of you so all 15 of you that don't know me personally (laughs) i like really really enjoy like when people come to my house i will spoil them rotten i like oh yes i like this is my guest room it has like of uh, 15 pillows on it i have like tons of like i have books my favorite books are in there so that if someone wants to read they can i have a normally I have a lamp there that will just switch on when you say alexa turn up and Alexa, sorry for any i love games, that <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh... anyway oh I- by the way okay nerdy nerdy oh. nerdy moment again go back to hunger games i thought it was interesting because remember how Peta in the book that this doesn't really happen in the movie i don't think but he goes through this whole like okay different regions have different bread and yeah. so he's like okay so you know th- this bread has like seaweed on it and that's from you know, this one section and this is shaped like a crescent and like i immediately knew that that was like the south because like new orleans is known as the crescent city yeah. and like and so the little thing what like a that fun and, connection and i was just talking to my students and i was like okay guys and I was like, hey guys, what is the regional bread of California? And they're like, and this one kid goes, oh, sourdough. And I was like, yes, good job. So, and I didn't realize this, sourdough is kind of a California thing. Really? And like, and we're kind of snobby about it. Like yeah. good sourdough, like you know when you've had bad sourdough and you're like what is this <laughs> like yes. garbage and you like throw it you go to like a deli and you want sourdough and they give it to you and you're like this is terrible and there uh-huh. is good sourdough and bad sourdough I know so mm-hmm. like is the sourdough okay in Tennessee or oh, yeah. not
0: we have a Trader Joe's nearby so we're good I'm in safety. oh okay
2: <laughs> <laughs> Trader
0: Joe's sourdough is like this is I-
2: a California company so they got that dialed in yes okay got it so I, no, a friend of mine lives in new york and they have like a bread called weck and i was like what on weck. earth and it's like a rye weck w- W-E-K, and i was just yeah I was and i was weird. like oh my god it's so true there is like regional bread
0: anyway fascinating i'm gonna literally awesome. just eat an entire loaf of bread while we were talking today so i'm like i'll go look that bread. up then- bread's oh, amazing bread. bread we love bread okay <laughs> love bread. literally thank you sorry i'm just afraid to know child. No, thank you so much for coming. We love you. You're gonna come back and give us more books. Thank you for everything. Yes. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Love you. And yeah. Mainly me. I love you more. See you guys next week. Okay. We'll see you guys later. Bye.